So we're recording right now. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three, four. Okay, welcome to the Heart to Heart Podcast. I'm Journey. I'm Jazz. And um, today's topic is beauty standards through the generations. But we will pause this to speak about legendary. <laughs> because we could not believe the house of Tishi got sent home. So that was pretty sad disturbing. Time. Yeah. A sad time for They were amazing. Like, they were great. The night at the museum. <gasps> I was I was mad at them because there should they had no right. No right to be that good. That good. Like throughout the entire performance, I was like <laughs> yeah. It was like no words for it because it was just like good throughout the entire thing. When they started on those color blocks, I was like, "Oh, something is about to go down." <laughs> and then they, it was great. It was great. They killed it. But really? you know what? I was thinking about today. Um, just thinking about legendary and mm-hmm. Philly. Like I saw the whole thing, so I'm not going to give any spoilers. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. The, the most legendary person on that entire show throughout all two seasons was Michaela. <laughs> and she's from Philly. Like, I just, I was like, you know what? I appreciate the winners and everything. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the winners of season one and season two. But the person that brought that heat, like, <laughs> <laughs> every episode was Michaela Lambent. So anyway i don't think we got a michaela in season two and that was a no. little bit disappointing i feel there were people who like were contenders but it just never really happened right you know i feel in season two i don't know if like i feel like i remember a house like not a person maybe yeah like i may one may be familiar because of like i don't know because of something they did uh-huh. but like i don't know if it was like something they did reoccurringly that was like oh i know that person and this person is known for this and i connect this person to that it's like i remember a house for being really good but i don't know if there was a person that mother shannon was the only one that really stood out to me or the mothers like shannon and i think the other one's name was stasha because Mm -hmm. they were just so pretty like how did they get that shannon was pretty so pretty so oh and the other character that i really remember was omari arichi Mm -hmm. because i knew him when he was a little boy like real life legit his mom is like a pretty famous african dancer (laughs) (laughs) so i used to do african dance majorly so she has this conference called memuna kieta (laughs) conference Mm -hmm. and it happens usually every year in new york and so since I was young, I would go to those conferences. And mm-hmm. his his real name is Usman. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So he's, like, really West African. And um, and he was always a good dancer, but I had no idea that he, he had come in. He voked for his life. Didn't he? His yes. life. His, he voked his wig <laughs> off. <laughs> it, I, it took me a minute after he was I was like, whoa. I was like... That energy. So, yeah. All right. I was so proud of him, though, because I feel like, especially in, like, people who grow up in with, like, tr- a lot of tradition around them, there's a mm-hmm. lot of homophobia. Mm-hmm. So for him to, one, be out, 
and two to be like oh i'm gonna be like legendary excellence up in here i'm like the father of the house of orichi and, and he was representing his kids and i was like oh my god look at little usman, <laughs> usman. <laughs> so, i just felt i felt such pride watching him mm-hmm. um, on legendary so yeah so that was pretty cool i was like posting about it in the african dance groups on facebook <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like y'all it's, it's mighty by son usman <laughs> I'm never gonna look at him without saying that. Usman, Usman, yes. Usman or Rich. <laughs> yes. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Yes, this journey. Back to the topic scheduled. Um, <laughs> we are talking about beauty standards throughout the generation, which is basically um, the standard of beauty, meaning what's perfect in beauty Mm -hmm. and what's like seen deemed as not perfect Mm -hmm. or like what is attractive what makes me attractive what makes you attractive what makes me not attractive to people and everything from how that was into how it is now how it's changed in between basically everything like Mm -hmm. that about Mm -hmm. beauty and Mm -hmm. how it affects growing as women importantly but also people and um like social standard kind of like what what um people look for mm-hmm. as correct and not correct and how that affects you and your generation mm. so maybe there's something about the younger generation that is like a bit seems a bit lighthearted now than it did back then like um hair for example maybe now for um a young black woman to have straight hair Mm. it's like not like because i know people who like my friends like they have this type of like inner pride in them Mm. and like they they'll wear their hair their hair curly and everything and it's like very pretty it's Mm -hmm. very pretty but to see another person that is black with their hair straight they kind of look at it as like disrespectful Mm mm-hmm and me as a person with straight hair who wears their hair straight most times because it's a bit just easier to control sometimes mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. when you don't feel like wearing it curly mm-hmm. like they view that as like heavily disrespectful and will like look down at you like you're bashing our is our ancestors and our history of hair and how we fought to wear it like this mm-hmm. to only wear it like the people that shamed us for having different hair and it's like I never know where to stand on it because mm-hmm. like I know where they're coming from, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I do have curly hair and I will wear my hair curly sometimes. But when it comes to a point where it's like I don't feel like it right now mm-hmm. or like maybe I want to try a style that requires straight hair or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why I love our hair because like we can change it and like do whatever <laughs> we want. <laughs> and like for I feel and then like for that reason like we can do whatever we want with our hair like we can like it's capable and for them to like say no you only have to wear it this way it confuses me because it's like why you know yeah no I really agree so do you feel like in your generation people look down on you because you wear straight hair I feel it's gotten better you know I feel like those friends who are like that it kind of comes from how they were raised and everything and like who passed that knowledge down onto them and Mm -hmm. who says this is tradition you're not supposed to do this you're not supposed to do that I feel that's where a lot of things stem back to Mm -hmm. but I know now 
I know many people that wear straight hair who are African-American and mm-hmm. who have naturally curly hair. You know, many of my friends do. And I feel, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, like, turned away from and, like, banished. Like, I'm accepted for it. But I do feel in some of my friends, like, it is still that, like, that, like, shred of, like, why? Or, like, confusion as, like, why would you even or do judgment. that? Yeah, judgment. Yeah. It. But it kind of feels like confusion as well because they're, like, confused as to why I chose this. And I feel that's where the judgment, like, that's what the judgment is. Like, Mm -hmm. why would you choose to wear your hair straight if you have naturally curly hair and you're blessed with that and you have this and that and everything? And it's like, what answer do I give? (laughs) Like, Like, what do I say? And, like... It feels like the questions they ask and the way they get to that point, it's, like, danced around. Mm. Like, I'm going to ask you this and that to, like, gather information. And then I'm going to, like, say, like, a big question that, like, makes you speechless so you can think about it. Mm. And it's like, ooh. (laughs) No, I get that. I think that's very real. And actually, I could probably be accused of having been one of those people. Like, I don't know if you Mm -hmm. remember when you were little, like when we would do stuff together sometimes I would be like no, you gotta wear your afro, wear your afro. Like, oh my goodness does she have her hair straightened today why you know I wanted mm-hmm. you to be rocking your uh your kind of like your natural hair you know I thought that was important mm-hmm. and what I've realized so like I've heard so many hair stories so mm-hmm. especially as someone who has studied African dance and African culture. And um, I remember when I first got to African dance class, I had a perm Mm -hmm. and a weave ponytail. And I just remember everyone staring at me like Mm -hmm. I was an alien because Mm -hmm. I I had straight (laughs) hair. And my friends were talking to me like, like I was naive, like I didn't Mm -hmm. know my history or my culture. Mm -hmm. And I can't actually say that I did. Like at that point I was 19 years old. I really didn't have, um, I had never gone to school for like African-American history or Mm -hmm. anything like that. And so most of my knowledge of like my culture really came from my environment. And so I celebrated kind of like urban music and and urban culture, but I I knew very little about history until I got to African dance. Mm -hmm. And so in African dance, I started to learn about how like even people my mother's age my my mom was an African dancer Mm -hmm. too and um how like in 68 when Dr. Martin Luther King got killed how like all these women went and like cut their hair off and grew their um grew their bushes they called them bushes (laughs) it was like an afro Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how that was like a revolutionary act for their hair to stand up in the way that like a black fist stood up you know Mm -hmm. and it was their way to express their solidarity with black people who were upset Mm -hmm. you know so I was like oh like and they started doing African dance (laughs) so it was like cut the hair you know get a um get a bush you know learn Mm -hmm. the drums you know all of that kind of came together and so for me I remember my friend Marquita Marquita Morris Louis when we were like 19 and 20 one day she Mm -hmm. just like well I cut my my perm off and I had this afro with all of these little permed ends it Mm -hmm. looked a hot hideous mess (laughs) (laughs) a hot hideous mess and she was like oh girl and she took me and she like cut all the ends off and like braided the front of my hair and I just remember feeling like an African princess like oh my god Mm -hmm. like I look so cute 
But it was something else happened because my friends <laughs> and people who I love dearly, including your mom and Uncle Darnell, like I was like ditching them. Like when it was time to go to Odunde. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've heard this story before. Yeah, Yeah, where we were all supposed to go to Odunde together. And so, like, a week before I had my perm with my miniskirt, like, before we would always go and be kind of like, we called it, like, hoochie mama, like, short skirts. Mm. And, and, you know, we would just be trying to, to look cute. But that one year when I cut my perm out and I had my afro and I had an African outfit made and I had started doing mm-hmm. African dance like all in the same month Oh, and then Odunde <laughs> came which is this celebration of black culture mm-hmm. girl I was like oh I'm not going down there like with them I'm going with my afro like my African oh, friends <laughs> I'm doing this for a reason I'm going to throw fruit oh, in the water goodness. like there, there is a spiritual connection to you know, all of this. And I can truly say that having that awakening, for me, it was so serious because I felt like I was being welcomed into like a sisterhood, like a Mm -hmm. sorority of some sort of African culture, right? So I can truly say, and I'll show you pictures at some point um, Mm -hmm. of like around that time. (laughs) (laughs) Because my hair was sitting, you know, it was like super cute, but I do feel like, I felt like, oh, I wanted to hang with people who looked like me, like I, who mm-hmm. wore their hair like I did. And my standard of beauty changed. I started wearing cowrie shell earrings. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like, I looked at people like, you know, if you wear your hair straight, you're not woke. Like you're not, you're mm-hmm. not in the loop. You're, you don't understand kind of the importance of representing yourself and, um, and if you had locks, like locks that grew out of your head, then you were super black. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, oh, yeah, you must have read some books. <laughs> like, like if you had locks, <laughs> you definitely oh read goodness. this book called like the ISIS Papers back in the day. You oh know. My <laughs> so that was a whole thing, and and I remember this rapper named Kaya. Do you know Kaya? I don't think so. She sings this on my neck. My oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her name. Kaya. When Kaya came Khalees. out. No, there's another rapper named Khalees. Oh, maybe. See? Generation. <laughs> <laughs> Got it wrong. When Kaya came out with my neck, my back. Oh, dumb, no. Khalees is my milkshake. Okay, okay. She wasn't really. I mean, she did have an afro, but she wasn't really associated with the woke crowd. She was more so just like like poppy and colorful but Kaya had locks so it was this ratchet song where it was basically like sexual twerk nasty, nasty. nasty. <laughs> yeah and she had locks like real locks like I feel like my friends and I were devastated like what what is she doing like she has locks does she not read the ISIS mm. papers like you know <laughs> what is going on so I feel like that was the start of um, just like a shift in like your hair does not mean that you represent Mm -hmm. anything. And to me, it's funny in this day and age because like we buy fake locks Mm -hmm. and somehow everybody everybody, like it doesn't matter what your race (laughs) is. Everybody buys locks, gets locks. It's everywhere now. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything. anything. It doesn't mean anything. And so it's funny for you to say that you feel 
judged sometimes because of your straight hair because it's like it's your hair yeah still and then, <laughs> that's another thing like i wear it straight and people touch it like they want to touch it and they're like oh my god like is it a weave who did your weave no one like i it's mine i grew it and it's like that's why i feel like people get confused like especially coming from people who aren't black it's like if you're black you're not supposed to have straight hair like it's weird for you to have straight hair like you're supposed to have like an afro why don't you have an afro you know and that's why i feel like it comes from both sides but it's like it's my hair like if i can do whatever i want with it why should i be like forced to do only one thing with it mm -hmm. and you know and it's this isn't me like trash talking and like i'll never wear afro and everything because mm -hmm. i do wear afros and i do wear my hair curly and i wear my hair in african native styles and anything because i can do it mm -hmm. and like if mm -hmm. i want to do it mm -hmm. and that's like a thing where it gets confusing because it's like my choice yeah. right it's like my hair and you're still you exactly and like you, i never change never yeah. change <laughs> never change yeah so i i think that's important i know that um just in thinking about like entertainment and in the professional workforce, like there's still to this day some issues with black women and whether it's professional for them to wear like braids or mm -hmm. natural hair or, you know, naturally curly hair. Um, it's looked down upon still by a lot of people and it is 2021. Um, so there have been a lot of conversations around um, you know, especially like journalists and TV anchors, you know, whether it's appropriate for them mm -hmm. to wear locks, like it's very rare that you'll see, see a, news a black anchor. news anchor with locks or, or braids or something like that. Exactly. But I saw this one girl in Miami. One day I turned on the TV and somehow I got Miami news <laughs> and there was this one black woman in Miami, she was she was just doing her job, and she had those braids, and she was exactly. gorgeous. And I said, "Go ahead, it doesn't sis. matter. She's still doing her job." Right, right, and, right. And that's why I feel like it gets confusing because it's like how I look or anything shouldn't determine my level of knowledge on like situations in the mm -hmm. world, mm -hmm. anything. And I feel that goes past like just hairstyles, mm -hmm. like if i dress a certain way oh she's not educated like if i if a girl is wearing a short skirt and like a crop top it's very likely for a person to look at her and say she has no idea what's going on in the world right now like i don't think that's fair well you know i have to ask you what do you think about people wearing bonnets outside okay that's another thing <laughs> i feel like bonnets but then it's a personal preference you know i'm gonna say this and that doesn't mean put your bonnet away like you know but I feel I wouldn't wear bonnet outside, but if you want to, I mean, all right. I feel just me for my comfort level. I don't think I would, cause it's like I feel like when I go outside, I want to get dressed. Like I won't even go outside in like pajamas. Like mm -hmm. I don't care if it's to the corner store. Mm -hmm. I'm walking around the corner. I will put pants on and a shirt. Like it can be the like dingy shirt, sure, but it won't be like a pajama oversized shirt. Or anything so like to walk outside with a bonnet is like i wouldn't even go outside with a scarf do you wear a bonnet it depends on what hairstyle i have like if i'm if i twist my hair up then i might put a bonnet on so something. the funny thing to me is i don't know if it was just in my family or in my house but i didn't grow up wearing bonnets mm -hmm. i wore a night scarf like maybe yeah, I wore a, a silk scarf, scarf yeah. or a night scarf but a bonnet was not a thing right so i'm actually really entertained by the mm -hmm. idea that people wear bonnets outside because that seems like it's a cultural 
shift in itself like mm-hmm. did, were people wearing bonnets for a long time or is the did, yeah did but this not just outside start? yeah that's right yeah like people wore bonnets bonnets though? bonnets 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 not scarves no i've seen bonnets. people wear bonnets like for like more than the last three years yes it used to just be a scarf right no not really not for me at Who least like when bonnets? i slept over my friends' houses and everything, their moms would put bonnets on. A bonnet, though? A bonnet. Like, I'm talking elastic around the head and, like, <laughs> puff in the back. Like, a bonnet. A bonnet. A, a Are these bonnet. black women? Yes. They wore bonnets? Yes, because it was kind of, like, it's not as tight as a scarf and, like, head on. It's kind of when, like, I, if I put rollers in, mm-hmm. I'll put a bonnet on because it's more stretch in it and it's more room for like it to move where it's not uncomfortable. So if I put a scarf on, it's kind of like just like patting it down. But that's for me, like I grew up in the days of wearing a wrap hairstyle. You know what a wrap is? Mm-hmm. Do you, you probably wrap your hair like your hair is long yeah, and like straight. This. Yeah, you yeah, just I wrap it in hair. a circle. Mm-hmm. You needed a scarf to yeah, have a wrap. That, when I wear it like this, then like, yeah, I'll put a scarf on. But if I were to take my rollers, and roll this up, mm-hmm. I would put a bonnet on. Yeah, I mean, I think if you have rollers, that mm-hmm. makes sense. But outside of that, I don't know. I've never, I, I have a couple of bonnets that I got in the last mm-hmm. few years, so I feel like it's become a thing. Like, they sell these certain bonnets. It's like this purple bonnet with a black band yep. on Amazon yeah. that like, everybody, <laughs> everybody has. has. I don't know if it's like the cheapest bonnet or the most sturdy bonnet or what, but, um, yeah i feel like bonnets themselves just became a thing so maybe i'm just completely out of the loop but it seems like wearing a bonnet in public today is its own cultural statement so i feel like it's kind Mm of it's not like oh i just don't feel like getting dressed it's almost like i'm going to be a disruptor like i'm not going to let anybody tell me how i can or cannot leave the house so i'm going to wear my bonnet like i feel like is there's a spirit of disruption in wearing your bonnet out of the house it's not just like straight tackiness i mean i wouldn't call it tacky but i don't know if it's like a movement (laughs) you made it seem like whoa we out here protesting like no i do i think i mean I could see the sense of, like, in a way, I could see people using it to, like, rebel, but in the sense of people view it as tacky. Like, people will say, like, that's tacky, and they're Mm -hmm. like, no, it's not. Like, I don't care. But I also feel like they do it just because they want to, you know? It's not like you're telling me I can't because no one's really saying they can't. Mm -hmm. People are just saying, like, oh, like that looks like bad like Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. wouldn't do it Mm -hmm. you know but no one's saying like don't do that like this is against the law or like it's not looked like upon like illegally or something right you know but it's kind of like i don't care what you say like you know like i'm gonna wear so i see where that might be like the sense of like protest but i wouldn't say it's like a movement like we're gonna do it because our ancestors weren't allowed to do this (laughs) and we're gonna stand out here in our bonnets at 3 a.m holding hands you know (laughs) not like that (laughs) no I i wouldn't say that at all but i think you you hit the nail on the head like this all this conversation around bonnets and bonnets in public is happening like Mm post-pandemic when people have been in yoga pants for the last 15 16 Mm -hmm. months and sitting around in bonnets and so some people decided like i'll just walk outside like right And, and i do think that it's a little bit of a protest it's a protest against people telling 
women or it sounds like black women what they can and cannot mm-hmm. do and i think there is something about this um this like pro blackness this pro wokeness pro like um uh like like walking in um like being like separated from people mm-hmm. i think all of that feeds the tone of like you know what I'm going to Target and I'm about to wear my bonnet. Like, <laughs> IDGAF ID right now. You know what I mean? Like, I think all that plays into it. I think if we were in a different point in time, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it would even be a conversation. There might be that one or two people that's like, you know, might have worn a bonnet. But I feel like this, like, wave of people that's yeah. like, you know what? I'm wearing my bonnet. You got people like, I stand in solidarity with the bonnet wearers. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're gonna start putting on badges and stuff. Bonnet squad. <laughs> bonnet squad. I stand with the bonnet. Right. <laughs> Walk around. Bonnet lives matter. You know. <laughs> oh goodness. And they do, and I think it's all tied into it. So, like, from that perspective, I'm like, yeah. Wear your mm-hmm. bonnet if that's what you want to do. Yeah, I'm not wearing a bonnet to Target. Yeah. I'm just but like not. I support you. Like yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Who do cares? You, do you sis if that's You're what you want to do? Nobody right. you know? at all. <laughs> right, right. Like live your life. Who cares? But I will say, I have heard about people showing up to their professional Zoom meetings with bonnets on for work, yo. Ooh. See, that's for another thing. Work. I was going to bring that up. I haven't seen like like spaces where it's like like standard is like elevated like mm-hmm. restaurants and stuff <laughs> i haven't seen anyone like red lobster straight bonnet big lobster on the table you know yeah ultimate feast in my bonnet you know <laughs> i haven't seen it that extreme so to say like a workplace like zoom mm-hmm. especially at zoom it just seemed like you rolled out of bed and was like let I think me turn what was happening yeah so maybe that might be like all right let's join together and recollect like <laughs> is this the move we want to make you know because it's like from here where do we go like yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's that's like digging a hole but right I, there. but i do i think it all kind of um kind of leads to resistance against respectability mm-hmm. politics so i mean are you familiar with respectability politics in a sense, I feel like everyone in Gen Z is familiar with politics, any politics. Like, it's, it's a thing. <laughs> so how would you explain it? Um, like, I, I'm not one to, like, really go into politics, like, everything, but it was, like, a big, like, I wouldn't call it a trend because it's not really a trend, but it was, like, a big thing to, like, learn about politics, especially, like, with the election and everything. So from what I heard about it and from you like bringing it up respectability it would be like if you respect me or not you know if you look upon this as good or bad like and going against it will kind of be like it like I don't care like resistance kind of so I think respectability politics is people feeling that gaining the respect particularly Mm -hmm. of like white people Mm-hmm. will keep them from being like judged or, or yeah, yeah or will, controversial will, will keep them kind of like on the right side, side. of mm-hmm. I guess like privilege and it's like no nah, it doesn't kind of work that way you know what I mean like there was this whole movement where black men were asking 
young boys to wear suits like that was going to keep them from getting shot what? or like you know like oh well you know you won't get involved in violence if you wear a suit or like you won't get hurt if you wear a suit and it's like it, it doesn't no, actually baby, no. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's not um that's not the root of the problems that we're experiencing mm-hmm. right now and it's definitely not the solution and so um yeah but i think this this idea of like oh so no you should never leave the house in a bonnet i feel like it's a it's a pushback mm-hmm. against like respectability politics yeah. like you know like that's not gonna um change any of the systemic issues that we're dealing with right now me and my bonnet you know what yeah. i mean so like how about you you know go make some real change and and like mind that business you know so mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah yeah that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> now I know what that is. You know? yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I think there's no, there's no. Um, I mean, honestly, respectability politics is a thing. You know, uh-huh. like people dress up for job interviews and they present themselves certain ways in certain mm-hmm. environments. So it's a thing whether we want to admit it or not. But I do think that. Um, you know, there's a there's a push against it. Like it shouldn't be a thing. Yeah, yeah, I feel there could be a push against it when it comes to like certain topics, like a bonnet. Like, do you really care that much? <laughs> like, do you really care that much to go on Twitter and write a whole rant about these people wearing bonnets? Right. Like, they're like aiming bullets at you. Right. Right. Like, right. Like it's right, a bonnet. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> That's why I feel it comes to like how you look shouldn't really affect much. Mm-hmm. Cause like it comes down to the point of like who cares right you know like i'm gonna wear whatever i want to wear like you could not like it and just not tell me that doesn't affect me i would never know right you could go you could see me walk by and then turn to whoever you're with and say oh she looks bad she has no education in life i would never know right i wouldn't care and even if you did say i might be like oh but I would go on about my day. Right, like, right, right. eventually forget it. Like, I wouldn't change how I dress just because someone thinks I look a certain way. You don't know me. <laughs> like, I could have graduated, got a bachelor's. You wouldn't even know because right. of how I'm dressed. And I feel that's where it's like, however you're dressed shouldn't determine how woke you are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if my hair is straight, I'm, I'm taking African-American history next year as an elective I vouched to take that like I volunteered to take that Mm -hmm. it wasn't given to me it was like you pick one and that was the first one I picked Mm -hmm. and then with the internet in this generation I already know half of this stuff so I took this so I could take that stuff I learned and talk about it in Mm -hmm. a space that it's welcome Mm. so for someone to look at me with straight hair and be like she's not woke she's naive (laughs) she's not welcoming her culture you don't even know no, what elective I'm taking <laughs> next year to say that. And it's like, that's where it's like, like, I kind of don't like the word woke. Like, that's where it gets now to the point of, it's like, what is it? Like, everyone wants to be woke and everyone in TV shows are woke. But it's like, it's like either too much mm-hmm. or like not at all. And I feel like no one has found that in between of like, not woke like just be here like mm-hmm. just be here mm-hmm. like you don't need to be awake five just yeah be awake. Like, just be awake <laughs> like just wake up you know you was you was asleep for a minute but like you're awake now you know yeah. you can go back to sleep again 
And, like, that's all right to, like, shut away for some stuff and then be like, oh, wait, like, I'm, hey, good morning. Like, somebody made pancakes and, like, it's politics. And you're like, oh, wait, I'm up, you know? (laughs) But then somebody might bring up a bonnet and be like, oh, I'll go back to sleep. Yeah, no, I'm good. And then I feel like woke is, like, everyone wants to be on everything. And, Mm -hmm. like, in TV shows and stuff, like, woke men is a trend that, like, has been on Twitter and stuff because women and, like, young girls are, like, um there's no men in movies that are like portrayed like how i would want to date a man you Mm, know mm. because a lot of stuff it's like oh i'm the mafia boss and like i'm gonna kidnap you and you're gonna fall in love with me though and it's like no like it's nice fantasy but okay can we get the ones that's like oh he's like attractive (laughs) no (laughs) smart. that's like yeah so then people were like oh we want a woke man and then it'd be like people i would never touch a woman (laughs) like i would never touch a woman while her consent it's like okay good good but then it's like can i hold your hand can i touch your finger can i pick this up for you and if our hands touch is that okay and it's like all right calm down culture yeah and it's like calm down okay like you you, you're doing a bit too much and then it's 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 a lot but there are so many fine lines though because like i'm an advocate for consent culture mm -hmm, and i think that big yeah i think that there are ways that we should really um explore how to have more consent even when it's like conversations Hmm. when it's correct too like yeah but it is it does it kills it can kill a vibe when like i mean of course i'm not talking about like you know intimacy or sex or anything like that Mm -hmm. because clearly you want to you want to have like clear consent there but if if there's like a conversation or it's like one time somebody yelled at me it said i didn't give them consent to discuss a certain topic oh god and i was like oh (laughs) like wait we have to do that like and i get that's the thing because trigger warnings has become a big thing and like you Mm. put trigger warnings in front of a post and everything and it's like oh trigger warning this might be like this topic involves this and everything which is big and Mm -hmm. especially on social media like when there's like just an image or like thumbnail before you Mm -hmm. click a post Mm -hmm. it's like yes like give me a trigger warning before Mm -hmm. like i watch it or something because it may be sensitive but then there's also become like this mock around trigger warning and there's Mm -hmm. like you know who Ed Sheeran is? Mm-hmm. Trigger warning Ed Sheeran, by the way. Mm. But, like, it'll be, like, trigger warning Ed Sheeran. Mm. Because, like, people have mocked Ed Sheeran to this point that it's, like, people want a trigger warning before you see him. And, not, like, it becomes a joke. But then, like, underneath a post, it'll be so many comments that'll be, like, you didn't give me a trigger warning. Like, mm. if you don't. And it's, like, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> I started hearing about trigger warnings when I was going to Philly Youth Poetry Movement. Mm-hmm like poetry slams i think you were i remember there i remember yeah, yeah. and she That's was like you, trigger warning you were like oh let's oh God, get up and leave yeah, I'm, <laughs> triggered. I'm triggered from a trigger warning honestly because the thing is for me like i'm someone who grew up around a lot of gun violence mm-hmm. so the word trigger is triggering for me mm-hmm. like i realized i was like why do i get like a little crazy every time i hear that and so of course as a self-aware adult i had to figure out how to um navigate this new culture of people saying trigger warning for things that were triggering for them or that they assumed might be triggering triggering for other people and for Mm -hmm. me i was just like well if you think it's going to trigger someone why would you say it you know or like Mm -hmm. maybe this isn't a public conversation i don't know it just got to be really weird but what i have landed on and this might be controversial Mm -hmm. um is that everybody has their own triggers and they need to really manage them so it's not really anybody else's responsibility to warn you 
about a trigger. Now, if it's like graphic or something like that, then I think um, it's, you know, you can say like this, this is like graphic or whatever, but um, like every day we listen to the news and we hear about how many people, for example, were hurt. That is triggering. You turn on the news. The news doesn't say, hey, everybody, trigger warning. We're going to tell you how many people got shot last night. You know what I mean? So simply doing, the, engaging in the act of turning on the news, you prepare yourself to receive that information and to process it accordingly. And I feel like there are a lot of people who are being irresponsible with their own, you know, mental health because they are expecting people in like professional environments or like I don't know how it is at like school or whatever to be like trigger warning and it's like you know you are having a discussion there are things that are going to come up that might make you really uncomfortable but it is your job to be like hmm I think I'm activated right now or I think maybe this has made me feel uncomfortable so maybe I want to exit this conversation or maybe I want to um you know handle myself accordingly but I feel like there's this culture now where people are putting it on other people like, oh, it was your job to tell me that you were about to trigger me. I don't know what triggers you. You don't know what triggers me. So I can't like, you know, I can't put that on you. I think the difference comes for like trigger warnings when it's expected and not expected. So like turning on the news, like it's like a trigger warning since the news first came out like you know what to expect from the news Mm -hmm. like you know the news is going to talk about so that's why some people like say i don't watch the news like i don't like to know about that because they know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they know what to expect from the news Mm -hmm. but when it comes to situations like social media or like poetry slams or Mm -hmm. like you know songs or something it's like i've never met some of these people who are going to perform or who are going to share their stuff so when they get ready to do something it's kind of like just a respect thing mm-hmm. to say mm-hmm. and like because like you don't know what to expect from me you've never met me mm-hmm. like if, or anything so I might talk about something I'd be like I don't even want this to offend you and like make you upset at me mm-hmm. or anything so like I'm just gonna give you like a warning you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. this is what I'm gonna talk about and they're there because like I still want to share this and express myself and my story mm-hmm. but like I don't want to offend anybody and I still want you to be able to receive and understand my art mm-hmm. and for the people it's not like you're watching out it's not like um you're like doing this to please me or like you're mm-hmm. watching me mm-hmm. it's just like you're being respectful and watching out for me because like I don't need you to watch out for me and like my it might be in management you know mm-hmm. it just might be some people that when they hear stuff it brings back like a traumatic memory and they can't mm-hmm. control that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to hear that from a person it's like oh thank you like thank you so much for that mm-hmm. you know so like i can leave but then i can come back and your next poem or your next song or your next post might not be about that mm-hmm. you know and it's like i can appreciate that you know mm-hmm. but for the other people who aren't triggered by that like me as the artist I might still want them to hear it because Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I still want this out there so it's not like managing it for them Mm -hmm. or the other person needs to get theirs in management it's kind of just a respectful thing I get that part but like what about the three poets who said something triggering who didn't say trigger warning I'm not going to get mad at them if I know that I'm in an environment where they're talking about pain they're 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 talking about things that are 
difficult to talk about, you know? And so I've, I've come to this, this thing and I understand, like, I feel like that's an agreement that I've made to enter this environment is that, oh, you know, these are things that we talk about, you know? So yeah, that's, it's very interesting. I feel like you may, you may, like you come to that agreement, but you never know with like somebody else their trigger might be or how triggering it is and the thing is not every poet there is going to talk about something traumatic Mm -hmm. or something somebody may come out and say a poem about rainbows and stuff Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. like may genuinely be about rainbows (laughs) and like Mm -hmm. it's like normal something that like you can just listen to Mm -hmm. and like not feel anything about it so I feel it's just a respect thing at the Mm -hmm, end of the day. mm -hmm. And you may not find it. You may come to this agreement and stuff. But to other people, it may just be like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, this poet didn't talk about this. Mm -hmm. But this one might. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's just like you never know what to expect in some certain situations, which is why I feel like people do give out these trigger warnings to certain stuff. Yeah. No, I get it. I I think that giving, giving them out is fine. But I think getting mad at people who don't is weird. Yeah. You can't expect somebody to know all of your personal triggers. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, general triggers are something that, like, most people give trigger warnings to. But stuff that may be smaller, I feel that I haven't seen anyone get that mad at. Something, like, small, if their trigger is small Mm. or something. Because they may not even go to it in the first place. If it's, like, something so small that they fear people may not understand Mm -hmm. and it may be present there, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. then that's, like, what to expect. You expect that to be there. But it always comes down to if you expect it or not. Mm. So it's kind of just, like, a hit or miss sometimes. Mm. Well, that's interesting. Definitely interesting perspective on (laughs) all of this. So is there anything we want to, like, leave people with or talk to people about or, like, um... I don't know, like, do we want to give any any summarizing ideas or we just want to be out? Yeah, I can give a summarizing idea. Um, <laughs> how you look doesn't depend or determine how woke you are. If you want to use the word woke, 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 <laughs> that word, it's, I don't know, it's become like a annoying thing now. But it doesn't determine how much you know about social problems and world problems things that are going on in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Never let how you look, how you dress, how you how your hair is like affect you and your knowledge on stuff. And um if you want to wear your bonnet, wear your bonnet. Wear your bonnet because for sure. Because bonnet lives matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, who cares? Wear your bonnet, you know. And I just feel like beauty standards shouldn't exist kind of. Mm. Like who cares? Like, I feel like that's what it comes down to. Who cares? Wear what you want. Do what you want. All right. All right thank you so much for, for listening, listening to, to this episode. Podcast. Podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>